Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. pastor here at Venture. Uh, if you're a first or second time guest, I just want to thank you. Uh, we know there's a lot of things going on, pulling for our attention on the weekends, and I just want to thank you for choosing to be here. Hope you have a great time. I hope you enjoy yourself, you celebrate, that you get greeted like crazy. We just love people around here. And if you didn't catch it this morning, when you walked through the greeters and you got Betty Joe coming at you. <laughs> See, you know, you know. She got the chance of both left, y'all, all right, something. Uh, man, we're just, we're super glad you're here. We hope you have a, a great time this morning. We're in the middle of this series called Won't He Do It. Come on, somebody, won't he do it? You got to, see, that's the thing, you got to do the praise hands emoji. So when you're sending text messages this way, this week, and you're like, won't he do it? You, you got to throw the praise hands. I mean, it doesn't count if there's no praise hands emojis. So some of you non-millennials, you need to go find a millennial and help have them help you find the emoji. For you millennials, you need to go find a non-millennial and get them to help you spell won't, all right? So, you know what I'm saying? Y'all got all the emojis, you need to figure out how to spell won't. Um, and we're going to wrap up this series. We started just a couple weeks ago with, um, with Elisha. And Elisha and his servant were surrounded by this army. And Elisha prays over his servant, and it's important to repeat this again. He prays that God would open the eyes of his servant, not that the circumstances would change. And often we pray for people's circumstances to change, not for them to see the power of God in the midst of them. But he prays that, Elijah, that, that his, the eyes of his servant would be open, and when they are, he sees that the army that's surrounding them is in fact surrounded by God's army. And you may be overwhelmed, but you're not outnumbered. You can catch that message on our on our podcast, AdventureSC.org. Last week, we talked about one of my favorite stories uh, in the Bible, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and how before he called down fire, he rebuilt the altar. And sometimes we just need to have a moment where we connect with God before we see him do it, because we believe he will do it. Won't he do it? I'm a big honor guy. Uh, give honor where honor is due. We're going to talk about that in this message this morning. Uh, but before I do... There's somebody incredibly special in this room to me and my family. Uh, one of my best friends in all of the world uh, traveled out from Pennsylvania to be here. Say, why is this significant? Because here's, here's why it's significant. Sometimes God will give you somebody who will make your dreams come true. And besides Angela, uh, Matt and Amy, uh, they're here. Stand up. Let them see you. Uh, they're a little bit tanned because they were on the beach yesterday. Uh, Matt wasn't here in the beginning of service because he's already problem solved. Uh, when, when God gave me a relationship with this incredible couple, they breathe life into so many of our dreams. And, and I would tell you, while they're not at this church on this team, because uh, God wouldn't release them, and I still pray about it. Still, you, sometimes you just got to keep praying. I'm still praying. Um, I stand on this stage, and I am who I am, because God gave me an incredible friend in Matt Davies. And for 11 years, he breathed life into dreams, and our hearts were bound together. We saw hundreds of kids 
come to know Jesus, and I'm excited that he's here to see the, the harvest of his influence in my life, that this church exists because he believed in me. Uh, he was ready to walk the course. Yeah, give it up, friend. There's honor around us. So as we wrap this series up, won't he do it? I'm going to look at Jesus' second miracle. You see, we always talk about the first miracle. If you've been in church very long, some pastor, some preacher somewhere is going to talk about the first miracle because he turned water into wine. And he did that specifically to mess with religious people for all of eternity. We're going to get to heaven. We're all going to ask the question, was it alcoholic or not? And he's just going to look at you and wink, all right? He's just, that's what I, I become 100% convinced. He's just going to look at you and go, Little smile. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Uh, the second miracle, we often like to go through the highlights of miracles, but I think there's some significance in the second miracle. You see, it's important for us to understand that Jesus had been spending some time in Samaria where people were taking him at his word. He hadn't done a lot of miracles there, but he had done a lot of ministry because people would accept him without the signs and wonders. I pray that sometimes we get like that. We get hungry for who he is, not just the things he'll do. That we, we, we don't just have a prayer life about the things he'll do for us. We have a connection with who he is. So he, here he's coming back to the, the, the scene of the first miracle where he turned water into wine. And we're going to jump into John chapter 4 and kind of read the whole miracle because I think it's that important. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. He asked him to come with him. He asked something specific of Jesus. It's important for us to note that. Jesus, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir... Come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. I pray that we would take Jesus at his word. If you have your paper Bible, I want you just to underline that phrase. He took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servant met him with the news that the boy was living. When he inquired as to the time his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. It's important for us to know who this man is. He's a royal official. He's a centurion for Herod. He has the status. But see, your status isn't significant in your struggle. He had to walk 20 miles to see Jesus. See, we live in a culture and a community that we crave status. We crave the, the, the things of status, but then all of a sudden in the struggle, our status doesn't mean very much. If you seek status, you'll still have a struggle. If you seek Jesus, you can be saved. See, and this is, this is the struggle we, we want. We want to know. Is this one? Oh, good. We have a mic for problems this morning. Y'all can pray over that. We want to know that our status will bring significance. But it won't. See, you can have 
all of the money in the bank. And then when you get the diagnosis, that status doesn't help you much. You, you can be the boss. You can own the company. But you still lay your head at night wondering why you exist. You see, status doesn't mean much in the midst of the struggle. This man had the status, yet he still had to walk 20 minutes, 20 miles to see Jesus. You see, what he do it is built on who he is. He is faithful. I've said that over and over again. It's not just what he does. I believe who he is long before I believe what he does. But in this story, we see some people that are very interested in what he will do, not necessarily who he is. They're willing to give him a welcome with no honor. Let's kick back just a couple of verses and, and catch up what happened right before that. Verse 44, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Verse 45, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. They welcomed him, but he said they had no honor. You see, they were welcoming the potential for signs and wonders, but they wouldn't honor who he said he was. How often are we willing to welcome Welcome his power, but not accept his identity. You see, you see this still today. You say, what does it look like? When your friend that doesn't believe in God has something bad go off, and they go, hey, will you, will you pray for me? I'm welcoming some prayer, but I will not honor who he says he is. I welcome. Listen, some bad things are happening. Go ahead and pray. Just in case it works. Just in case. Like, I'm going to go ahead and throw it all out there. This your prayer thing. It might work now. Go ahead and pray because I'll welcome that I've heard he can do some incredible things, but I'm not willing to honor who he says he is, that he says he's the Lord. Welcome without honor. But won't he do it? But there, there's honor there. This statement is about who he is, not just what he can do. It's about him being faithful. But then the centurion comes up and Jesus says to him, says, you people, I love that statement, by the way. You just... You get, you get that there's a little bit of like, uh, you people, right? <laughs> even, it, it's good to know that even Jesus had his moment of frustration, right? You people, you people won't believe. Unless you see a miracle, he's talking to the whole crowd. You're hungry for what I can do. You're interested in my power. Not who I am. You're interested for me to do something spectacular for you, but I want the relationship with you. I want you to accept who I am. See, if we aren't careful, we become like that. We allow this statement, won't he do it, to be an endless cycle and an endless search for the, for the next display, the next miracle, not a statement about his faithfulness. But then there's this single word that shows a heart change of the royal official. Verse 49, the royal official said, Sir, Sir, come down before my child dies. They have this exchange where Jesus says, he says, come, my, my, my son's dying. And Jesus goes back and he says, listen, unless you people see a sign, you won't believe. And then he looks at him and he opens his mouth and he says, sir. Now you have to remember, this is a royal official. This is someone that actually would have had governmental authority over Jesus. Yet he sets his status aside and he gives Christ honor. Recognizing honor, not just a hunger for what he can do. He says, he says, Sir, 
a statement of honor, a statement of identity. You see, honor requires trust, and this is what happens. The man took him at his word. You see, if I'm interested in the show, I'm not going anywhere until I get what I want. You stay at home. Parents, I pray for y'all for summer. We should probably have a moment of prayer for all stay-at-home parents because summer has come. Uh, if you work from home, you get a double portion of prayer like me. My office is in my house. The snack requests come on the 15-minute interval. It's like they have a timer set up on their iPad. Ding, 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 snack. What is with you? Can I have a snack? You just, literally, you just, the wrapper is filling your head, bro. Can I have a snack? I mean, you know it's true, right? I, I, I sometimes feel like that's how we approach Jesus. Can I have a snack? And we don't leave until we get what we want. Can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? But this guy, I love this. This jumped off the page at me. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. How many of you just, let's just take a moment. Let's just be real parents for a moment. I got kids, you got kids. I got problems, you got problems. How many times have your kids just took you at your word and left? <laughs> You don't fall out your chair if it happened. You'd be looking up at heaven thinking the rapture was coming right now. But what happened? You, you'd be pinching yourself. They just took, took him at his word and departed. What would life look like if we just took Jesus at his word? We just took him at his word. Not at what we feel. Not at what we want. We just actually took Jesus at his word. You see, won't he do it? It's not, he better do it. He needs to do what I want him to. You see, you gotta, you got to put all this together. The centurion, the official, wanted Jesus to walk with him and heal his son. He had a way he wanted it done, and Jesus said, just go, it's going to happen. But to this point, this is so important to understand. We read this like we know the end of the story. Yeah, until you pray for someone real hard, and you don't know the end of the story. You see, to this point, Jesus had never healed someone without being in the room with them. And this man's 20 miles away from his sick son, and there's no iPhone. There's no FaceTime. He's not standing at Jesus going, all right, hold on, let me get my wife on the phone. Hey, is he better? Hey, Jesus, he's not better yet. Is he better now? Not yet, Jesus. Can we, can we, let's just go ahead and go. There was, there was no instant communication, and that's what we want. We want instant confirmation of Christ's faithfulness. He wants us to trust his faithfulness. This man says, fine, you said it, I'm a law. You said that he's going to be healed, I'm going to believe you and just started walking. My son's life is on the line, I'm just, I'm just going to start walking. I'm going to take Jesus at his word, and I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start walking. Now I want you to put yourself in that man's shoes. He didn't argue, he didn't complain, he didn't second guess. How many times do we second guess God's methods? No, God, you don't understand. Like, you're supposed to come with me. I had this whole thing planned out. It was in my daytime. Like, it was on my calendar. You were going to walk. We were going to stop over here. We were going to have Chipotle there. We were going to get Starbucks over here. We were going to make our way. Come on, somebody for the millennials. We were going to make our way over here. And then you were going to heal my son. I had it planned out. And Jesus just speaks. And the man took Jesus and his word. And didn't whine. Come on, sometimes maybe we need to start walking instead of whining. 
Maybe we need to start walking instead of whining. But Jesus, you're supposed to come with me. You're supposed to do it this way. I had a plan that you were supposed to follow. That, I mean, let's be honest. This is, how we, this is how we engage with God. Instead of walking, we go back whining. Can you just tell, can, prove to me? Show me something. Because our obedience falls what we see, not his faithfulness sometimes. We want to see what we want to see before we'll be obedient, right? We're just like that kid that wants the snack. Just show me the food and then I'll leave you alone. The snacks are in the pantry where they've been the whole time we've lived in the house, right? Like, but we, we were right there for Jesus going, just, no, no, just prove to me. He said, go. If we don't start walking, we may never see his faithfulness because we're standing there whining. But he said, go, just start walking and maybe we need to take him at his word rather than letting our feelings trump his word. You see, sometimes I wake up and I feel a little overwhelmed. Anybody in the house? Come on. I know you're here. You're on some anti-anxiety medication. <laughs> you know, you're drinking 16 cups of coffee a day. I got an IV of that stuff. I'm looking at trying to get like a cold brew, like contraption just for my house so I can have cold brew on tap whatever I want. Come on, somebody. That sounds spiritual, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we, 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 we'll, we'll feed ourselves. We feel overwhelmed, but we know his word says you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. We feel like our mistakes overshadow His grace, but His grace is sufficient for me. We feel like our failures define us, but there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We know. We know what He says. We just don't walk. We don't take Him at His word. Sometimes we need to, we need to start walking. Taking Jesus at His word and start walking. I believe there's a faith rising up. See, where you're going to believe God for something. And this is what we want to do. I wrote this message early this week. And God's literally walked me through this journey all week. This is what we want. We want to see the fruition of our faith before our obedience will rely on it. We want to see our faith and what's going to happen before we're willing to take the risk. If I could go back two years... From the moment I decided to move from Pennsylvania to Bluffton, South Carolina, and God could show me this, it's like, well, duh, that's a no-brainer. Of course I'll go plant a church. You know what God showed me? I'm going to give you eight people. Eight? Which one is going to take care of my kids? Because that's the kids' ministry. I just need to know one of them is going to do the kids. Like, that's a big deal. Eight people. We literally would fit around our dining room table. That was the beginning of this church. That 171 people have said yes to Jesus. Now, if you would have told me then, it's no problem. Yeah, you should clap for that. See, if you tell me two years later, 171 people have said yes to Jesus, of course I'm going to move. I got eight. And see, we get stuck sitting around going, God, when you show me something, I'll start walking. And he said, I've already done something. If you would just start walking. So you got to maybe just take Jesus at his word. Just take him at his word and start, and start walking. But, but what if? I can only imagine. I can only imagine that walk home. See, I'm not a runner. Uh, I'm afraid of it. It, it. it hurts. 
I don't have never had a runner's high. I have I've, I've ran some. I've run triathlon, like one triathlon with Matt actually. Yes? Right? I ran a triathlon. There's a picture somewhere of us in triathlon suits. There's like all spandex. You should not go find that on social media. It would scar you for life. Right? But I, I've done that. Never once in all of my training when I ran all of the miles did I get a runner's high. Like runner's depression is more like it. Call somebody. You runners are a special breed. Never once. But I imagine this guy. 20 miles. On his way to Jesus, he was running the whole way because his boy's life depended on him. See, sometimes we'll have something go wrong that will drive us into the arms of Jesus, but it's what we do after we get there that makes a difference in everybody around us. See, when he left Jesus, I can imagine he's walking. He's like, man, I wonder what I'm going to find when I get home. He said, go, your boy will live. He didn't say that it would happen immediately. He didn't say what happened. So he usually just said, your boy's going to live. 20 miles he walked. And then it says this, while he was still on the way, while you're on your way, God done been working, while you're on your way, the miracle's already taking place, while you're on your way, his faithfulness is rising up, and the servant comes and says, your boy's alive. If you would start walking, you would see his faithfulness. But I just have to tell you this, don't quit in the gap. Don't quit in the gap. You see, there was a moment, there's a gap in time here where he looked at Jesus in the eye and Jesus said, go, your boy will live. And it says this, he took Jesus' word and he departed. He started walking. There's a gap in time from the moment he started walking and he got confirmation of his miracle. And sometimes we stop in the gap. We just stop. And what we want to do is we want to turn back around and go, Jesus, are you sure? And he says, I spoke. But are you like, are you for sure, for sure? I spoke. What happens is in the gap, we find our struggle and we want to stop walking in the gap because we haven't seen what we want to see yet. But there's a reason. Everyone believed. The story ends that, of course, he gets home and he finds that his boy's living. I can imagine the party he threw that day. Tells his whole family. Man, I met Jesus. He just spoke. And at the exact moment he spoke, the boy's alive. Like his fever left. He's, alive. He's living. But it says this. His whole household believed. You see, this man acknowledged who Jesus was. He called him sir. He trusted his word. And ultimately, his entire family believed. This is what I've, I've realized. If we seek the things of God, we'll have a show. If we accept who he is, we'll have a revival. If we, if we seek the things of God, we'll have to show. That was neat. And I love fireworks. Love some fireworks. But if we accept who he is, we'll have a revival. If we welcome his miracles, we'll have a moment. If we honor who he is, we'll have a movement. I'm not interested in a moment. I'm interested in a movement. I'm not interested in big sparks. I'm interested in making a significant difference in a region. I'm interested in lives being changed. I'm interested in the broken finding hope and being restored. That comes because he, he is faithful. What will he do? A, a, a statement, a catchphrase of his faithfulness. I'm interested in connecting all people, all people into a real relationship with Jesus. Won't he do it?
Yeah, he will. And here's what I believe in my heart. I believe he does incredible things in your daily life. He's challenged your faith. He stirred something in your soul. See, I posted this on social media this week, that if your faith doesn't scare you, it's probably not big enough. It's probably not big enough. If you can accomplish the dream that God has in your heart on your own, it's your dream, not His. Sometimes we want a man-sized dream because man can make it successful rather than a God-sized dream where we have to rely on a power that we, we can't see right in front of us. But if your faith's not big enough, to scare you. You see, you got to take him at his word and start walking. He is faithful, by the way. It's who he is. It's not something he does. It is his identity. He is faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? So, so, we say, won't he do it? Yes. Yes, he will, but maybe. You walked in this room and you were those people. Hey, would you pray for me? You have no problem asking someone that you know has a relationship with God to pray on your behalf because you needed the power of God. You see, that power becomes accessible through accepting who He is. All of a sudden, won't He do it, man? Yeah. See, that man looked at Jesus that day and he said, Sir, I'm going to give you the honor. I'm going to give you the honor because I accept who you are. At the end of the day, his whole family believed in Jesus. You see, you maybe have asked people, would you, would you pray for me? Because you don't have that access. You don't feel like you have that connection. You're much like those people standing around wondering what could possibly happen. Today, I want to invite you past that moment into an actual relationship with God. If you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes. Not as a religious sign. Just to block out the distractions. You're here. It's incredible, man. We're, we're, we're so excited you're here. You came. That's, that's awesome. Maybe you're here and you're like that person, man. Would you, would you pray for me? Because you don't feel like you have access. Today that happens through a relationship with a real God. You say, I'm not interested in religion. I'm the pastor of this church. I'm in skinny jeans and red tennis shoes. Religion's not exactly what this is about. This is about a real relationship with a real God that loves you so much. But you're here right now in this room, in this moment, you know you don't have a relationship with God. I promise you, I give you my word, I will not embarrass you. All I want to do is ask you a question. I don't have a relationship with God, but I would like one. All I'm looking for is you to raise your hand and look at me because I want to pray with you. No one else in this room is looking around. It's just me and you. Shoot your hand up right now. Go ahead. Raise your hand up. Thank you, buddy. Anybody else? Come on. I see your hand, man. Anybody else? Go ahead, man. I, I, I just I want to know that I have a relationship with God. I don't know that right now. Shoot your hand up just so I can pray with you. No one else is looking around. It's just, just me and you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, thank you. Anybody else? I need that relationship with God. I'm going to ask all of my friends. 
everybody to pray with me today. If you raised your hand, this is a prayer. See, all we do is we just accept who he is. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, for pursuing me. Today, I accept you. Today, I want to know that I have a relationship with you. In your name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with the local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.